As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What you're about to hear is a very unspecial episode. We were about to record with an academic guest on portrayals of Me Too issues in popular media, but that guest did not show up, so we instead had discussion that was initially intended to be just for our supporters. But as sometimes happens, we decided that with a little bit of editing, what we'd done would be perfectly palatable to you, the general pretty much pop listener. There is a less edited version of this conversation up at patreon.com slash pretty much pop. And of course, this is the kind of thing that we record after every single one of our discussions. So supporting us on that Patreon page will get you this kind of stuff as part of your ongoing diet. I hope you enjoy. This is a special supplementary. When we don't have an episode to post, we'll share some of our thoughts with you and with each other. I have lots of thoughts. That's all we can have these days. Great talking to you guys. Sure, Brian. Very convincing. What are your thoughts? Wait, no, take another <laughs> sip. I have another question, but only while you're drinking. <laughs> take a big bite of a sandwich and let me ask you a question. I don't have it yet. I'm, I have a burger on the way. So the topic that we were supposed to do today got postponed to next week. We had some other options that I've been considering, so we can state what those are that maybe so we don't cannibalize them right now, or that we do. I got on the phone with Tyler about irrelevant things this weekend, and he seemed to have a lot to say about living under quarantine. Would it be worth our having a, getting that group, us three and him back together to kind of do a check-in and maybe talk about what are people watching under quarantine, <laughs> like the Tiger King and pandemic and, you know, I don't know. That's at least one idea I had. We could just find some things to read. I wasn't making a face because of that. I was making a face because of Tiger King. Have you seen Tiger King? <laughs> oh, yeah. Mark? I watched part of the first episode, and I felt like I've read enough about it that I know it's coming, and I don't know that I have to bother. It is the shared experience of the pandemic. Well, that would be the reason to make myself watch it. I don't think it would have had legs the way it does if we weren't all trapped inside. Oh, totally not. And it's just become the, the butt of so many jokes of people who are trying to joke their way through this. I will say that I have boycotted a lot of, not boycotted, I've stopped listening to some of my other regular podcasts because they are so dwelling on the uh, quarantines and the pandemic that it seems a little strange that I should then pollute my own with it. But I'm also willing to acknowledge that it's a thing. I mean, that's That's fine. I'd rather not talk about pandemic movies, in part because I'm not watching any of them. Yeah, I've had to watch a lot of comedy to get through this. So yeah, I kind of agree with you on that, Brian, unless we could find an angle, like 
all the bad art that's happening right now? (laughs) Like, what's the crap that's coming out because people just are trying to deal? What are the bad ways in which we're coping? I don't know. I mean, we could do a greater thing on coping mechanisms to get us through hard times. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We can do a thing on alternate universes, whether it's in the mirror universe in Star Trek or the darkest timeline in community, since we apparently are living in the dark timeline right now. I feel very in subjunctive stasis when talking about this, because it's very possible that this will be the discussion that we're contemplating whether we should have or not. (laughs) And so, wondering whether I should just address all this in the present tense. (laughs) Were I in the subjunctive stasis? (laughs) Yeah, I just had been looking on what was trending, which was like the film pandemic even coming into this, which I ordinarily would not make myself watch. And of course, what we have been watching is things, at least I have, to prepare for our other episodes. So I did actually finally uh, sign up for the CBS thing last night. So I'm one episode out of 10 into Picard. I got to say, I am, again, very excited about that. I think originally I was excited, and then I was not so excited. And now I'm excited again because I really enjoyed the last couple of episodes. The season has been a roller coaster for me in terms of my appreciation and enjoyment of it. So, and it's not that long, fortunately. Right. Some of it is a slog, Mark. I'm sorry to tell you. Some of it is not so great. It's not their best work. So it should have been a six-hour rather than a 10-hour experience or a four-hour? Yeah, I think so. The fact that it was scripted by a novelist kind of shows, I think. But we can talk more. Watch it, idiot. Hey, you know what's way slower than that? Devs. It is the slowest. I feel like I've watched like six episodes and I've watched three. Like, are you really loving it that much? I'm, I, I, don't, am I, I don't know if I'm missing something. It's, I'm still enjoying the world building that they've done and I'm still intrigued by it. But my God, it can take so long to get through a point. Like me just there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when someone has a verbal tick, you have it noticed and then someone points it out and then that's all you can hear. Well, the acting stylings, like the specific oddities of that show, I hadn't really keyed in on to what was going on. But now that you pointed it out to me, I'm having a little trouble not focusing on it. That being said, I I find that the hour goes by really quickly, whereas Zoe's increasingly irritating playlist, I just (laughs) can't believe 42 minutes takes that long. The last episode of that was... I had to leave the room in embarrassment multiple times. It was, I think, acknowledged by my family as as being the best one yet. (laughs) Because you had to leave the room that many times? Well, I don't want to give away what happens in it, but there shouldn't be a high embarrassment factor in this show because it's all her fantasies, but it crossed a certain line. It was a permutation from the formula that already... What? It's all her fantasies? Is this revealed at some point? I thought that was part of the premise. Fantasies in terms of not happening in the physical space of the world. No, I think it's a little bit more metaphysical than that. I think she's in what you'd call subjunctive stasis, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Should I give it away or are you going to catch up? No, I'm sure I'll catch up. Yeah, we're going to do an episode, right? We think, maybe. Well, so I haven't actually reached out to that guy yet. And now I actually feel weird about it. So this is related. One of the guys that I might have reached out to if I had already had some prior connection with him was Adam Schlesinger, who did the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend music, was one of the people that did that. 
whose Fountains of Wayne, he wrote, Stacy's mom was their hit, but also that thing you do. Didn't one of his bandmates just die? I'm not talking about the bandmate. That's him. Oh, that's actually him. Wow. So, like, that's so sad. Talking to Craig Wedrin, who did, who's the guy I do have a connection with, about, you know, I want to talk to you about your work and the work of this guy that just died. I don't know if that makes it more timely, but it, it made me less want to immediately reach out to him, you know, give it a couple days at least. I know it's not completely relevant. I don't know. With these musicians, I was thinking, oh, people aren't touring right now. So I'll email a bunch of them that have kind of escaped my clutches in the past and maybe they'll be free now. And now I'm second guessing that decision. Which one of the guys actually is the bandmate, Chris Collingwood, had agreed to do an episode and then like wouldn't actually agree to a date. I had not emailed him, and I'm very glad. That would have been very tacky, even though it was a day before, you know, two days before this thing happened. Yeah, you wouldn't have known. And also, like, I think that, yes, give it some time, but I think it's usually the best, for me at least, to be busy during a time like that, you know? I don't know. Keep, keep me busy, and I can cope better. Well, and so... A while ago, when I was talking about, oh, we should do a Rick Ocasek episode, it was kind of the, when somebody dies, then you should do a kind of a tribute thing. If you're ever going to do something on that figure, you might as well do it now because like they're in the news and stuff. But those are going to be coming on a daily basis. You know, I just was looking at the New York Times and it has like a whole section on their website of, so Ellis Marsalis, Brantford and Wynton Marsalis's father, who's a piano player in the group, he just died and... There are several others, and I think it's just going to pile up. Making it a regular, let's appreciate, you know, have a praise the work of some people that have just died, that on the one hand seems like a good thing to do, but with it being so regular, it seems very horrible. <laughs> I'd rather just not talk about any of that in some ways. Yeah, what are they going to do during the Oscars this year? You're going to have to do a very long in memoriam. Exactly. They may not have... Any movies that have come out this year? I mean, I think the Oscars has bigger problems than that. So I don't know. So we will, going back to Picard, we want to do that in the next couple of weeks. Well, what about you guys and the other, not that we delay it from your having not seen other Star Trek properties, but I'm feeling like with original series, I should at least look up. I think I've seen three of the 10 essential episodes now, and I just watched Khan the Khan episode, and then the Wrath of Khan, the Rift Tracks version, of course. But the <laughs> so you're referring to Space Seed is the episode of Space Seed, the original the series. Yes, I mean I don't know what you're talking about, Mark. The one where they introduced the Romulans, I had watched a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I forget what else. I haven't watched the original series like at all. But what I would suggest is that we look up the ten essential or whatever best original series episodes, and you should watch those. All right. See how painful the experience is. <laughs> I know, right? The one thing I'll say about wanting to watch what are considered the best episodes is so often they are seminal ones for the series, but don't always give you a flavor of what a adventure of the week looks like. So I, I think it's worth trying to pull out those occasional ones that just give a real tenor for the show without being like, this is the one that introduces the Borg, or this is the one where this happens, because they all end up being so big story arc oriented. I saw someone's list of the quintessential next gen, and I just thought it was, man, if, if that's all you saw, you would really have a weird picture of what that program was. Well, that's why I was saying OST for that, because Eric has never seen those. Because they don't have large plot arcs in OST, right? It just kind of 
Stuff happens. More stuff happens. Watch them in any order you want. Am I am I wrong? You're talking about TOS? Yeah. It's that <laughs> the original series? Original series Trek. Original Star Trek. Boo. That's what OST is. I was trying so hard to figure out what that acronym meant. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I should just watch them anyway. Like, why not? I've seen some of all of them. Mostly TNG, though. Have you seen some of Enterprise? Have you seen some of Voyager? I've seen quite a bit of Enterprise because I used to have the biggest crush on Scott Bakula as a child. So I had no problem watching that. Even though it was not that good, I like him. I liked when it got serial, when it got all time travel the last half of the series. It's just the, bit, the first part was, eh, was okay. Yeah. I just learned there was a Star Trek Galaxy Quest actor crossover, which I wasn't aware of. Oh. Did you know that Rain Wilson plays one of the Thermians? Is that their name? In yeah. Galaxy Quest, those goofy yeah. aliens. Yeah, so he's one of the people in the cab or in the car early on. And he goes on to be in Star Trek Voyager. So that's, yeah. No, he's in Discovery, right? Oh, Discovery. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's in Discovery. So that's pretty cool. Oh, my God. I just corrected somebody on something Star yeah. Trek. I, that's great. I just turned into more of a nerd. I'm so excited. I was thinking of a of a possible low prep one, and I just talked to Josh Casey today about finally doing our juggling one. Have I told you about this, Erica? No. So Josh Casey, brother of Dylan Casey, brother of my wife, who does our web stuff, runs the Madison Circus Space, and he's just like long been a – he was doing hacky sack. He was doing like professional Frisbee shows. He tours and does juggling. He's been on Stupid Human Tricks. He's been on a few different late night things. He trained Hugh Jacklin's juggling for a Tonight Show appearance. <laughs> and so he just knows all about, he's so hooked into this community, and I'd like to see how he podcasts. So I talked to him about that today. And now that we've done escape rooms and Legos, like it doesn't seem that weird to do juggling <laughs> as a topic. It is nowhere close to being the weirdest thing we would have done. <laughs> Are you even familiar with the term? Have you heard the term circus arts before? Uh, I think so. I think I actually have. Okay. Well, you live in, in the big city. There's probably plenty of circus arts in there. The show I did this summer, we had a guy who was from a circus family who came in and, and trained us on a few tricks just so we had some. For carousel? No. No. Although that would make sense. No, for Annie, get your gun. perhaps you would have had carnies. <laughs> <laughs> No, for Annie, get your gun. We did have uh, we had a guy come in who was really, really great, and he was showing us like how to use a bullwhip and how to balance certain things, and you know, just like things that we could hopefully learn within a few days. I think that's a great idea, Mark. In terms of preparation, I think we should all learn how to juggle. I probably should learn how to juggle. There are now juggling balls sitting back in our living room. Every time we would go, the fam- like everybody in their family, there's five siblings. And they all can do at least basic three ball juggling. I've gotten worse, but like, you know, I would participate and do, you just do one ball <laughs> to see if you can get even arcs. Then you could do two balls. Dun, 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 and just see if you could do it with like not moving your hands very much. And that's about all I got. I never was able to add the third ball to make it actual juggling. <laughs> but <laughs> I've done fairly respectable two ball juggling, which I now can no longer do. I, I was just trying it. <laughs> Erica, when I went to Mark and Kim's wedding years and years ago at the rehearsal dinner, it was just a beautiful event. And, you know, Mark did a song on his guitar and a couple friends of, I don't know if it was Kim's or yours, sang 
a song. And then Josh, who's going to join us, and one of Kim's other brothers, Dave, oh, they were going to juggle. Like, oh, that's great. And then one proceeds to climb on the other's shoulders and is standing on top of the other shoulders. And they start passing um, bowling pins up and like they're juggling six bowling pins or whatever up and down between them with one standing on the other shoulders. Yeah, I felt like I had underpaid for my meal or something. Like I didn't know who to tip, <laughs> but it was, I don't want to say that they upstaged you, but I mean, you probably could have handed a guitar to someone else. And I thought, well, certainly you couldn't pass those juggling pins to someone else. And it turns out you could have because everybody in that family at least knows how to pass <laughs> bowling pins in the family. So. That was pretty awesome. I think that's a great idea. Let's have them on. What have you been watching? What's everyone consuming to ease their brains? Parks and Rec, every day. High enthusiasm and optimism factor. That's good. I love it so much. And I realize my husband is a perfect hybrid of, this sounds weird, but trust me, Chris Traeger and Ron Swanson. You could do a lot worse than that. Right? Excellent. Very good. I was hoping you weren't going to say Gary Gergich. I love Jerry so much. What about you, Brian? I watched all of Pen15 and loved it. I know we're going to be doing awkward teen shows and movies later, but man, was that good. All right. Writing it down. Yep. So should we cannibalize? Are we really going to discuss 13 Reasons Why as part of our... It can definitely be an example of a show trying to maybe talk about something that's toxic and difficult to talk about, but somehow, where does it go wrong? Okay, but what will not cannibalize our discussion next week, if we bring that up, is whether it's simply a shitty show. <laughs> Which, I'm finding it compelling enough. I have, I think, still like a teen brain, oftentimes. So like, I watch stuff like that, and it's like crack to me. And I'm like, ooh, tell me more. I gotta know what happens. Who's on the next date? I did binge that hard. I apologize, but I did. <laughs> Why apologize? <laughs> because you know it's you know it's not great show. I'm conscientiously objecting to that show. I am taking a principled stand and not watching it, but I will be prepared to talk about it. But not as someone who has seen it. We also just watched Clear History last night on uh, Amazon Prime, which movie came out several years ago. But it's basically just Larry David playing Larry David in a long form. But enjoyed it. We've been watching a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I, I have always loved it, but I think I love it even more now because like that type of humor is reminding me that it's okay to be insane because the world is insane. And it makes me feel a little bit more grounded somehow. He's very funny. And that's the appeal of Tiger King is that it's okay to be a nut great person because you're better than every person on that show. Oh, it just makes so, me so sad. Mark, you really should watch it. I, I think you might still have a few surprises. If, and if you survive the pandemic, you're going to feel like you missed out on something. I don't know, man. It, it was depressing. Yeah, well. Have you heard about the movie they're making? No. Yeah, well, this is before they realized that the documentary was going to be this thing, right? Because who you don't imagine a Netflix documentary is going to have traction like this. It was something of a, a lightning in a bottle. I, I guess it's not completely cast yet, but there's talk of getting, I, maybe it's his idol talk, for the role of Tiger King, Margot Robbie. What? No, they're not. Oh, but you're totally joking, right? No, I'm not. It's, it's not April 1st anymore. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but like people have been saying like how good she would be in that role. No, they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm such a little sister. I should have just laughed and gone on. Oh, You had me. 
No. What do you? I'm not. I'm not. Stop it. I can see it now. I can see the smile <laughs> on your face now. <laughs> You've already made a fool of me, Brian. But don't you agree that a woman would make just as good a. I would go with Charlize Theron before Margot Robbie. <laughs> I've been trying to talk Abe into starting Westworld from the beginning and binging all that or watching some of it with me so that then I would watch season three with him. But I don't know if I, I can possibly wait since I, he didn't jump at the bait. Yeah, a lot of my friends lost interest during season two. We still stuck it out. I still really liked it. I think even though season two wasn't as good as season one in a lot of ways, it's still some of the best TV that was on last year as far as I'm concerned. And I'm loving season three. Yeah, it looked promising. And I also had watched the first two seasons of Ozark and see that another one has come out. But I have not ventured into that yet. At some point, we should probably do that. Hillbilly portrayals. I should talk about that. I just haven't watched it because it's hard for me. It's hard for it was hard for me to watch Tiger King for the same reason. When you know people like that, it's just you just feel bad. You never even watched the first because it's really not very focused on hillbilly portrayals. Like there's a gang, but it's kind of like justified in that there's a gang that has hillbillies in it, but it's not about that really. Maybe I should. I don't know. I've only seen. I only saw the first episode, and then I just decided not to watch. So I probably should because everybody else is telling me how great it is. It's just a Breaking Bad ripoff as far as I'm concerned, which is fine. <laughs> like, that's a good thing to rip off, you know. Sure. <laughs> it's not that exact, exact, you know. It still has an independently compelling progression. Right. I had it non-recommended to me, but for the sake of our podcast, I'll at least give it a try. And if it's interesting, I'll I'll stick with it. I just haven't. There's so much to pick from. You know, this is this peak TV that we're living in, this pandemic is really going to help us get caught up oh, because this yeah. shit can't keep coming out. I mean, there's still new prestige things happening, but not for too much longer. There's something on Amazon Prime coming out called, is it Above the Loop? or I forget. I've been seeing all these ads for it, this science fiction fantasy, possibly anthology show. Maybe they're really targeting them to me. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm the only one seeing these ads and maybe only in my dreams. But we'll let you know. I'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, actually, we did the first, those Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. I had only watched like the pilot of that ever. Yeah, me too. But we, with my kids, watched episode two just because we were looking for something that was not going to be like a commitment. <laughs> you know, it's like Black Mirror, but not as good. But it was fine. It had some unlikable characters. <laughs> It's My a- hope is that some really good stuff that some like they didn't find mainstream enough at the time is going to come out because they're going to need content. And so these people who made these great things that weren't originally greenlit are going to come out. That's what I hope. It's going to be a network of pilots from the last 50 years that never <laughs> had a second show made. <laughs> I've seen a few of them and you never know. For a million reasons, they don't get picked up. Hey, that's a good idea. We could have a competition. They send us all these pilots now that we can all watch them, and we decide which one we want to get picked up. Now you have a job. (laughs) There we go. Something on anthology series generally might, I don't know if that has legs, but it's not a, we're going to do Twilight Zone by itself at some point. I was just thinking about, do you guys ever watch that Room 104 series? No, but I Oh, on HBO with uh, the Duplass Duplass brothers. brothers, Yeah. Yeah. It didn't look that interesting. There are to me. some good ones. Yeah, I binge like the first whole season. You know, they're all very short. Yeah, I didn't go beyond that. There was also one like that that just appeared on Hulu that I noticed. I think it was said, you know, disappearing in 15 days. So I watched six episodes or what by the guys that did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the League of Ordinary Gentlemen. 
Oh, no. League of Gentlemen. <laughs> what, is, what is that? Nah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name of the new, oh, their new show is called Inside Number Nine. It's an anthology series where it's the same players in most of them, at least the same two guys with some supporters. And they're all like dark comedies. Like usually somebody's dead by the end of it or that's the formula. It's a soft recommend. It's some good British. All right. If I can't sleep, silliness. I'll give that a try. Erica, how are, how are things in the hot zone? A couple of days ago, I was really, really frustrated and nervous. I kept waking up in the middle of the night trying to place an Amazon order because there were certain things I couldn't find and you're not really supposed to go out to the grocery store. So I was trying to like, I mean, you can go out to the grocery stores, but you know, stay at home as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And I was tired of going into places and not finding toilet paper and not finding paper towels and things like that. And then this morning I woke up and I called Staples and I said, do you have toilet paper? And they said, we do only our brand. And I said, you have it right now. Are you promising me? And he's like, yes, you just have to ask for it at the front. So I got enough toilet paper for us for like at least a month, probably two, just one big giant thing. So for two people, it's going to be great. And that made my day. Do you have to pull the staples out? Oh. <laughs> the staples. I get it. <laughs> there are definitely some things you can't find and some things it's, you know, it is hard. And I have a lot of friends who are getting sick and I'm having lots of long conversations with my parents about how they can't live life the way that they're used to living right now. Like somehow they, I, it's that whole millennial boomer conversation that keeps happening about like, stay inside. You have to stay inside. You're not actually social distancing by going to see your family members. That doesn't count. Like that does, it does count as people who are outside your circle. So yeah, it's stressful, but you know, getting toilet paper today really put me in a great mood. And are you going to do more episodes? Have you already recording more with your mom to crank out those? Yeah. Okay, boomers. Hopefully I will get another episode down with her tomorrow. I'm still waiting to hear back from Apple Podcasts. It wasn't, I don't think, supposed to take more than a day or two, but I'm sure they have a lot of people bored submitting podcasts right now. (laughs) They could have weird delays just based on workforce. Right, right. So, yeah, but that was exciting to get it up and running, and I made my family listen to it and give me feedback. So that was, and you guys, of course. So thank you for listening. My mom has lots of crazy stories, and she's a crazy person, so I've always thought she'd be good for a reality show or at least a podcast. Now she knows that when she talks at any point, you're going to, in the the final product, interrupt her and start talking over her about the kind of (laughs) things she's saying without... Hey, I got that from This American Life. That's a total, <laughs> that, that's a move. <laughs> I rec- recognized that that was. Well, there were times, okay, the, here was part of the problem. Sometimes Erica talks about her podcasting. Sorry. Part oh, sorry. of the problem was in editing because she didn't have, she didn't have headphones. So I was having to go in and out mixing and trying to like take out any time that I was going you know, I was speaking and you could hear it because she she was she had me on speakerphone the whole time. So I was like, okay, what can I do? I don't really want to worry about editing that. So I was like, oh, I'll just do a VO. <laughs> Turn her down. <laughs> After we recorded Whitney, I actually myself went through her entire track and silenced everybody else because we were just using the backup track for her. And it was only Brian who could not handle not talking at the same time as the <gasps> There are multiple times... <laughs> Where she would jump in and you would just feel the need to finish your thought as you would in a normal situation. Could not adjust to the artificiality. (laughs) I lended reality. 
a verisimilitude of reality to our program. <laughs> People talk over each other. That's life, baby. I probably have told you that my habit of jumping in habits, linguistic habits that I picked up during podcasting have not gone well around the house. Let me put it that way. There have been some ire raised. Really? Go on. Nope. Nope. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop recording. Click. Go on. <laughs> well, we should stop recording. I think this is enough to, to carry yeah. the people forward a week if we decide to uh, be a week behind. Thank you, listeners. Bye-bye. Hey, remember how at the beginning of this recording I said maybe we should talk to Tyler and then we proceeded to have the pandemic discussion without Tyler? Well, hey, I'm with Tyler. Hello, hello. Yeah, let's just do a little quick catch-up. I know you're in kind of a different situation than Brian and Erica and I are. Brian and I work from home normally, and Erica, well, she does not have an active musical playing. So for, I think, the three of us, it was not as abrupt to do a shift to being at home all this time. Tell us a little about where you're at. It was definitely abrupt insofar as I had been working a normal 10-hour-a-day work day at my day job. And while I do have the work that I do with the podcasts, it definitely became immediately concerning because that steady income dried up immediately. And then on top of that, of course, being a single father, my mom being a bit older and in that class of potentially vulnerable people, I had to make a decision pretty quickly to get my son, bring him home, and kind of keep myself away from her. Just in the event that, God forbid, something happens and she contracts this thing, it's not, that's going to be a worst case scenario. So it really did force me to kind of hunker down and become a homeschooler and really just doing the audio portion of it, the podcast work and stuff like that. And that's really what I've been doing. And it's been an adjustment. Like a lot of people, I think that we're used to a steady income and that having that stripped away and then not really knowing and the uncertainty that all that entails. It's been a harrowing two or three weeks now at this point. And really there's no end in sight, which is even more concerning. I know we shared a tweet by you at some point. Are you still looking for other podcasts to edit for? So our listeners, if you have a podcast and you need professional editing assistance, there might be some available. Ultimately, obviously, the goal would be to, if I could somehow turn this into my full-time job, that would be fantastic. The problem is straddling the middle ground between trying to do as much of this as possible, but also maintaining standard responsibilities of going to a busy job, and then also single parenting, and then also everything else. Um, Of course, optimally, if I could do away with all that going out in society stuff, I'd love to stay home and uh, work behind the scenes and contribute to the podcast world. Now more than ever, I think this content is going to become more and more desirable. Why not? Yeah. If if anyone needs help, I'm willing to work. (laughs) And with the extra stuff that you're doing, are you still finding this is a, like many people, a time for more creativity and or binge watching? (laughs) Absolutely. I'm a music producer as well. So I've been able to spend a lot of time brushing the dust off of the production skills and working on a lot of mixing and mastering and stuff, but also playing a lot more video games than I'm used to in recent past, a lot of Destiny 2. So Final Fantasy VII Remake came out. I've already got 14 hours into that, which is splendid. I recommend everyone play that, even if you've never played the first Final Fantasy VII. This game is fantastic. And yeah, Destiny 2, it's like a shooter, a looter shooter. It's got this like gameplay loop where it's really a never-ending process. So I think the first week that I was home, 
not sure what was going to happen. I probably put 50 hours into that game, <laughs> you know, and then with my significant other, we're doing a lot of like remote watching of like, we're starting Buffy again and a lot of different things that are, you know, just trying to keep ourselves occupied and we're doing some cooperative reading. We're about to read To Kill a Mockingbird again. We just finished Handmaid's Tale. You know, I wake up early. I have a lot of time from the first thing that I wake up up until my son wakes up to kind of do what I want. It is kind of nice not having the pressure to have to jump in the uniform and go to show up at the dealership at 630 and deal with customers. So that, ha- having that go away is it's not the worst thing in the world, despite the income loss. To provide an update on what was said earlier in this episode, but recorded two weeks ago, Craig Wedrin did say yes, so we we're going to do something on sort of musicals on TV. He's He does some of the music for uh, the Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And I mentioned that because you mentioned Buffy and of course their musical episode is famous, but I've never wanted to watch it because that's like season six or something. Like I'm nowhere near that. I was still in season two. So I'm probably just have to skip the rest just to watch that for the purposes of this. Convince me that I should spend the time watching all of Buffy. Buffy's fantastic. It's got the right amount of cheese. It's got the right amount of humor. It's got the right amount of sci-fi, the right amount of fantasy. Suspend your disbelief and kind of enjoy the characters. It's what do they call it, a serial show. I mean, some of the episodes are linked. Sometimes they're not linked. Sometimes they're, they're, you can watch them as one-offs. There is a through line in the story. Some people have criticisms against the later seasons. I think I've seen the entirety of the series, including Angel, which is the spinoff, two or three times each. I mean, they're fantastic and they're fun and Now's the time, especially, to dive back in. Speaking of Zoe, my girlfriend just recently watched that, and she loved it. She didn't think she was going to like it in the first couple episodes, and then she got ripped into the rabbit hole, and then she finished it. And All right. I mean, I've enjoyed the rest of Josh Whedon's output. It's just, uh, yes. I don't know. I think I wasted too much time at the time on Smallville, and I sort of see Buffy as too close to Smallville. But it's probably better writing consistently, I would assume. Or do you not have the comparison? I've seen a little bit of Smallville. I will say that the the writing in Buffy is great. It's overall, it's just quality as far as that goes. I think it came out in a time when, I don't know, I don't want to be too critical of things nowadays, but it has that old schoolish vintage, late 90s, early 2000s feel to it. It doesn't have the kind of polish that these new shows have, which I don't know if I'm sounding like a hipster or something like that, but it's definitely worth it. It's fun. It doesn't require a lot of time. It doesn't require a lot of cognitive power. You know, it's a guilty pleasure, but it's also, you know, it's thrilling as well. Are you finding that given the situation that it makes any difference in terms of Erica was saying that she's watching more comedies and stuff to get, you know, as a contrast to this age. But I see on Netflix, like a lot of people are watching the film Pandemic since it started, which are you looking for relief? Are you looking for to better understand and immerse yourself in what's actually happening? Or is it neither of those? Shortly before this all started, I I started getting back onto Twitter, and that may have been a problem because <laughs> now I don't have any desire to expose myself to anything of any dramatic significance when it comes to something like a pandemic. So no, I'm, I'm not going to also then turn my brain off and then turn it back on to watch a show or something like that that is going to heighten my stresses. I, th- I think people deal with it in different ways. Personally, the games that I'm playing and, and things like Buffy and reading things that aren't necessarily related, I mean, there's enough horrid, tragic stuff to fill your mind with if you're on social media. It's, it's, it's unreal. I guess people are okay doing that. I'm sure I've done enough looking into what's going on. I have my own theories about what's going on. I don't really need a fictional 
a landscape to compare it to, it's bad enough as it is. But that being said, I'm sure there are compelling fictional cases out there. I, I remember, just as an aside, when the Ebola thing happened, it reminded me when I, when I was younger, I read The Hot Zone and I was really into those movies about the outbreaks and stuff like that. And that was always fascinating. But the Ebola thing didn't really hit home here. Like this is hitting home in a different kind of way. So as a result, not too interested in that. I did notice I was looking at iOS games that Plague Incorporated, which I had <laughs> spent time on several years ago, is having a renaissance, that it, it was among the recommended or popular or something like that, which I'm not sure what I think about that because in that game you're playing as the virus and you you know choose, now I'm going to mutate and I'm going to add these horrible symptoms and you have to balance between not being too <laughs> tough because you don't want to just kill off everybody or make them enact serious quarantine measures that will keep yourself from spreading. You want to ideally have very mild symptoms so you can seep into the whole population and then mutate and turn really deadly and kill everybody. And you win if you kill everybody in the world. So the fact that, that is still a thing, I guess a lot of people are finding that a way to humorously reinterpret, turn on. I don't know. We use what we're given. We play with the the material that's in front of us. That's kind of, I, I believe in that more than a pure escapism. Yeah, indeed. Well, I mean, viruses in themselves are fascinating entities. I mean, they're it's like a computer code that hacks your system. It uses you as a way to propagate itself, and it's not really living. It's not really non-living. It occupies this weird middle ground. Things like that. It's fascinating to explore that kind of thing. I mean, what do we do if if this thing mutates and we can't handle it, like what, what sort of, yeah, anyway, I don't, I don't want to go down to that rabbit hole, but yeah, I can see why that's certainly appealing. I mean, it, it has the same kind of appeal as like the zombie outbreaks and the zombie apocalypse kind of things where you end up having this breakdown of, of social norms and things of that nature. We haven't gotten there yet as far as a total breakdown, but I think we're seeing elements of that start to appear on the periphery for a lot of us. And some people are really are dealing with it. So a game like that, Put yourself in the mind of a virus. Maybe that should be required reading or required playing for the population so they understand what, the, what we're dealing with and maybe we'll take it more seriously. Well, thanks for checking in. This is fun. I, I hope folks, uh, I have no message for the folks. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. Get more Pretty Much Pop at prettymuchpop.com. Pretty Much Pop is part of the Partially Examined Life podcast network. Get bonus content for every episode at patreon.com slash prettymuchpop.